Welcome to Living Martial Arts with Master Ray Gale, aka The Dark Master. Living Martial Arts discuss and examines the everyday exercise, philosophy, and lifestyle of the martial arts enthusiast. The host talks about his own training, past and present, and he also interviews many martial artists to discover how they continue to live their own martial arts journey. Tune in for top tips on how to get the best out of your martial art. Or perhaps you're thinking of starting a martial art. This podcast offers you an easy way to dip your toe in. Sign up for the newsletter at livingmartialarts.com and get regular updates and training tips direct to your inbox. Follow the Dark Master on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Living Martial Arts. Hi, it's uh, me again, the Dark Master, with part two with Mr. Gary Foster from TSA Taekwondo. So uh, I had a, a great chat in the first podcast, um, mainly about his martial arts journey, which is which was really great to hear. Um, and I, I think that's the, the thing about why I like doing these podcasts, because we, we sort of see people, um, you know, at tournaments and at events, and um, you don't know really the, the uh, path they've traveled. So it's nice to, to have heard that. So uh, how, are you, how are you doing, Gary? Yeah, really well. Thanks. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the first chat. It's great. Like you say, it's so fascinating to hear people's journeys, and, and and it's fascinating to see how many people you actually both you both know and and you've crossed. Even though, you know, prior to prior to us coming to your competitions, I I I I'd seen you at competitions uh, and I'd heard all about you from uh, you know Master Minot. Uh, but I'd never really met or spoken to you before. And, you know, I really only got to know you when we started coming along to the Puma competitions. And, and we, there are so many people in our history that are, you know, the same, the same yeah. people. So it's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. To yeah well, but on the first one, you even mentioned Bert Cullenden. Now, his name doesn't come up very often, I have to say. No. But uh, he, he was very, uh, very, very well known back in the day. Um, yeah. A lot of people. Uh, and they were trained with them because obviously with things like particularly taekwondo um you know it spread through the um the armed forces and particularly the raf uh, my yeah. instructor my instructor was uh was raf and he was stationed at uh raf locking in western supermare yeah uh, started a school at western then bristol and so on um, all right yeah so a lot, a lot of the people that obviously in those early days were um military people See, I thought your instructor was uh, Master Jew. I thought yes. you. No, he you... was. Yeah, he was an RAF guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he... Master Jew was the RAF guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. He right. Was, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he was stationed. Right. He was stationed at RAF Locking uh, in Western Supermare. Right. He, he opened the school in Bristol, but we used to go to the the Western school that he opened. Obviously, very close together, Western Locking, um, or Locking in Western, I should say. Um, and we used to go there every, literally every Sunday for Sunday training. Uh, yeah. It was like a, you did your two days in the week, but if you wanted to, to travel, you could go to Sunday morning training, which was sort yes. of like um, uh, physical sort of training, that type of thing. And, and it was really good. It's really good. I mean, I, I, I really, those early days in Taekwondo um, really sort of formed me as a, as, as a person and my love uh, for Taekwondo. And, and actually, I have to say that um, you know, uh, Grandmaster Jew, he he was um, particularly in in those days. He was he was quite into the technical side of Taekwondo. Yeah. And I think I sort of 
uh, got my passion for that side of it because I still like doing patterns now, even now. I love I love the feel of doing a pattern and completing it and doing and it feeling good, um, even though I can't do them as well as I uh, as I used to. But uh, I yeah. still enjoy them, and I think you know that's why, as I said on the first podcast, I wanted to do well in all areas of, of taekwondo at that time and um, you know be able to compete in all the different disciplines. Yeah, it's amazing how your instructor influences you know, what you're passionate about. Um, uh, cause when I, when I started training with, um, master Sohota, he was very, very technical. He was, um, you know, and I, I guess that was my most technical phase. It was handy in a way because I did my first Dan, um, first Dan with master Sohota and my second Dan as well. So it was great. Um, you know, I knew all the technical, I've since forgotten pretty much most of it. Uh, and then, I mean, my my students will say that I'm more interested in the sparring and the fitness side of things. Yeah. And um, uh, Mr. Harper comes and helps us with our grading, and he's always going, well, you need to concentrate a bit more on this technical <laughs> aspect of this. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, uh, to, to be honest, you know, um, I, I at competitions occasionally i speak to your your students um and they, they obviously love training with you you know the, the way that yeah. they respond uh they obviously love it and they love yeah. the, the way that you are and i think i think what whatever you do you have to be happy with what you, you're teaching and then yeah. you know pe- people will graduate and stay with you if they love what they what they're doing so you know you're yeah. obviously you're, well it, it sort of brings me on to my next question really about you you know the way that you live your martial arts every day now and i know that Obviously, you're a full-time instructor. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what, what's your uh, your model? I mean, my model. I mean, I've I've always I've sort of hired uh, leisure centres, um, which is what I still do to this day. Leisure facilities and community facilities. Um, I I used to teach quite a bit in schools. I don't do that now, really, because I had to stop doing that because of time. Uh, particularly in around sort of twenty years ago when Puma started, I yeah, didn't really didn't really have that time. Um, but uh, occasionally I will do some teaching in schools. Um, right. But um, uh, and, and I, I quite, I quite, I quite enjoy it. And I will do some sort of write to schools and send information to schools, asking them if they want me to come and do a, like an assembly and things like that. Um, you know, a bit of a mar- bit of a marketing thing. Um, but yeah, what what sort of model do you tend to use? Um, we we started off very similar. We were in village halls. Um, because uh, we couldn't really get any, we couldn't get into the leisure centre. There was just no time slots available, except for like a Sunday night at eight o'clock, which, mm. you know, nobody's really interested in coming out at that time. Mm. So we uh, we hired village halls all surrounding the town that I live in. And um, so I had about, there was about six different venues that we had. Um, and we we did that for about three or four years. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then we managed to get into the big leisure center in the town, and we kind of consolidated a lot of the classes in there together. But we, we really didn't sit right still. We had about two hundred and fifty students, yeah, wow. all around these six uh, six different venues. Mm. Um, so then we we started looking for a like a unit that we could like a like an industrial unit that we could mm. use. Yeah, and we managed to get one in about two thousand and nine. Mm. So then we kind of brought all of our because I teach in two two different towns, Sittingbourne and Faversham, which is the next town along. Um, and and we 
we had about 150 in Sittingbourne and about 100 in Faversham. Uh, and right up until COVID times, we taught in Faversham, but it just got too difficult. So we had to close that down. And now everything is centered in our in our um, training hall that we've got. We've got these fantastic facilities uh, where the rent keeps going up every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As it does, yeah. Yeah, but we've got these uh, double thickness mats uh like as a permanent you know permanent structure and we've got you know kickback and uh, not kickbags but um you know freestanding kickbags okay. we don't have any no none screwed to the wall or anything like that so um so yeah i, I only teach in the one location now it's wow. it, it's got it's got these uh mats it's 17 by nine meters it's okay. uh you know, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, it's a real, it's a real instructor's dream sort of thing. There's space for the parents, not that parents are allowed in at the moment, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I teach 20 classes a week. Um, so I do Monday to Thursday and then Saturday, and I normally do four or five classes a day. And I, I don't teach on Fridays or Sundays, apart from obviously gradings and yeah. special events, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's all in the one location now. And we've got about 230 students at the moment. We've been around about 250 or below for the last about 12, 13 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's made for a, a great, a great living, a great lifestyle. And, you know, a, I sometimes like pinch myself. I'm teaching these tiny tigers, which are three and four year olds. We've got a class for like preschoolers, um, three and four year olds. And I'm like, you know, just got such a big grin on my face when they're, they're like, you know, running around and, you know, they're, they're trying to, I, I run after them with one of our blocker pads okay. and they've got, to, they've got to try and block above their head and I'm running after them and I, I hit them only, only lightly, you know, just minor concussion sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so I'm hitting them on the head like this and, you know, half of them don't get it. So they're not blocking at all. So I'm just hitting them on the head like this sort of thing. And they're, they're just squealing, you know, uh, with delight sort of thing. Cause I'm chasing them. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's it's interesting because I I, <laughs> I love doing a very similar thing because I got I got the uh, uh, the blockers as well. I do exactly yeah. the same thing. I, I oh, really? A, yeah, I get them at one end of the hall. I say, right, go, and they got to get past me without me hitting them on the head. Yeah, um, and it's really good. And it's yeah. it's, it's it's very 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 interesting because um, I actually do enjoy. I know a lot of, a lot of instructors listen to this will think, wow, couldn't think of anything worse. But I actually, I actually enjoy teaching the little ones, the, the little yeah. puma. We call them little pumas, you know, four-year-olds yeah. and so on, um, because all the pressure's off. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to get them to, um, you know, to, to break two inches of wood or do patterns or whatever. I'm just having fun and getting them to do martial arts style games, really. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is what I love to do, and I, and I, as I'm a big kid myself, <laughs> uh, then um, you know it works really well. <laughs> yeah, you learn you you learn through fun, don't you? You learn through games, especially at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De definitely. Well, th there's a couple of things I want to come back. You, you mentioned about Sunday. Do you know what we had myself and Master Oak? Yeah. When we first started in '83, and right up until uh, I would say the '90s. Well, yeah, yeah and and middle '90s. Our most successful teaching day was Sunday. Really? There he is now. I'm going to turn off the turn it off. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't realise I turned that back on. That's my phone. But yeah, our most successful day was, te- we used to have five classes on a Sunday um, at, at Bath. Yeah. And the class, what you mentioned about eight o'clock, our biggest class was eight till nine. Wow. But, but, but we used to do eight till nine on a, on a Sunday. And then the whole sort of adult class used to go in the bar until it closed. <laughs> and, th- and they'd have to chuck us out at like 11 o'clock. So right now it's time to go. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. But it, it right, was that's it. I'm starting Sundays yeah. from next week. Oh, wait a minute. It's, it's yeah. New Year. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 was, it was amazing. It was amazing because we had Wednesday and Sunday at Bath. Yeah. Uh, Mondays, Thursdays at, at Swindon and so on. But Sundays was huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. And pe- wow. pe- people used to say to us, how do you get so many people on Sunday? We went, I don't know. I don't like, know. They yeah. just turn up. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it was because there was nothing on TV or... Yeah. Or, you know, they went out Friday night, Saturday night, so Sunday was a, a bit of a dead night. I don't really know. I have no idea. Um, right, wow. You know, but people loved it. Wow. People loved it. And and the, the other thing that I was going to come back to was um, you mentioned, and, and this is what I say to people, because I always say to people, like, martial arts instructor, as in the martial arts instructor, is the best uh, profession in the world. I love it. Yeah. And the reason I love it is because of the lifestyle. Now, I, I get up. I'm I'm a early riser and I get up very early, yeah. uh, six o'clock and by half six quarter to seven I'm, I'm actually I actually try and get out and I do my training, um, I have all my equipment here which I love. Uh, I do my chins, my dips. I've got some kettlebells. I love all that. I still love my physical training to this day. Yeah, and I say to people that's why I love it. It it's you know I make a good living, um, and I try and give a good service, but it's the lifestyle I love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the people. So. Yeah. I love, I love not working on a Friday. Mm. You know, um, I, I teach on a Saturday now, which, you know, for the first 15 years I didn't do as a professional. So that was great. But, um, uh, but it's not too bad on a Saturday. And we obviously reserve Sundays for things like competitions and gradings. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, um, you know, with, with the model that you, that you've, you've, you've got now, um, yeah, you know you've got your own your own uh, unit. I mean, what what are the um, you mentioned some of the challenges like the rent going up all the time because yeah. so I actually myself and Mastero um, we we actually had a place in Bath very short. You know, it, it was actually uh, an old auction room that we bought and we yeah. we, ch- we changed it to um, transformed it into a dojang and it had a little cafe and whatever. Um, anyway, to cut a long story short, s- soon after. We had it. Things didn't go as well as we wanted to. Uh, Bath is very expensive as well. Um, there's a lot, of, lot of problems. But um, you know, what, what, what are the challenges that you that you found? Um, it's very, it's very cold in winter. Right. Yeah. Uh, the ex, you know, heating the place is. Um, uh, we've got these particular heaters that, unless you stand under them, you don't feel any benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always a bit of a challenge. And, you know, if people constantly go somewhere that's cold training, it's going to take the shine off your training a little bit. I go, well, I don't want to go out. It's cold outside. And then it's cold when I get to the dojang, mm. you know. Um, so so we have to try and try and get around. In the summer, it's great, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It, we just open the doors and we have quite a good like flow of air. So it keeps it quite cool. But the thing is, normally within about, Within about five minutes of you being there, it's uh, 
my warm up because I only do one hour classes. I never do anything longer than one hour. Yeah. Um, uh, I try and make sure that the warm up is is such so that after five minutes, everybody is like taking their taking their jumpers off and taking their tracksuits off and stuff. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's always um, a tricky one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cold in it because it's there's no insulation there. It's just a like a uh, like a steel roof or like I don't know a fabricated roof. Yeah, yeah. So lots of the cold gets in there. Um, what else is there? Uh, parking's an issue. <laughs> yes, yeah, we had we had that in Bath. Yeah, yeah. You can't park anywhere in Bath. I'll tell you, it's a nightmare. I don't yeah, even know I'll I'll bet. Oh man, that's hard work. But, you know. uh, for, for our for our earlier classes when the other businesses are still there you know like the um uh, we have one class that starts at 345 our tiny tigers class starts at 345 and all the other businesses are still there and they're all parked outside and the parents are like double parking and trying to find places and abandoning their cars and just getting yeah. to training on time and stuff yeah. but then as as the you know as the day goes on all the businesses have left and there's plenty of parking it's the complete opposite you know yeah yeah um, oh. no no that, that's that's great well um it's just coming on to uh, other other questions because I, I was um when, when i was when i was competing uh i i could i could eat anything i liked <laughs> and not worry about it yeah and, uh, I'm, I'm quite obsessive about what, what i eat and i know we were talking at the start of the the first podcast off air about uh, I, I hadn't eaten for two days and my, my tummy was a bit delicate. So yeah, but I, but I feel great. I feel great. Right. Um, Cause I, I do a little bit, a bit of fasting and, and stuff like that. So it was just really whether you have any, you know, I mean, you were mentioned that you, you eat quite often. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that something that, that you, you've always had to do or is it something that as you got older? Um, I guess like you, I've, I've always been able to eat whatever I wanted. It hasn't really affected my weight. Mm. Um, so after about, well, I think it was like the mid mid thirties, like 38, 39 sort of thing. Mm. I could feel that my metabolism was slowing down and, you know, yeah. I, I kind of needed to watch what I eat. So I try not to eat, you know, um, uh, too much of, you know, donuts and ice cream and chocolate and, yeah. And stuff like this, the stuff all the kids love to eat um, <laughs> in in my house, sort of thing. So there's always plenty of it for them mm. and whatnot. So I, I always try and avoid that now. But yeah, I've always um yeah I've always eaten like every couple of hours. I'm a big fan of saurine and uh, I always okay. have, I've always have porridge in the morning. So I'm always uh, yeah snacking on those those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't say I do. I'm not great with my diet. I I but when I'm training, I I use this product called Huel. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah so I um um rather than because I teach for five hours in one go. Uh, rather than going because I have an office uh, where I train, rather than going into the office and shoving I don't know some sort of snack in my mouth and coming out chewing sort of thing, I just have this um. I, I just use Huel and I, I put it in a normal water bottle and I, I just drink that consistently throughout the training. And it's fantastic. It's a, it's like a vegan, a vegan product and it, it fills you up. It's like a meal replacement. It's not, it's not heavy on protein or anything like that. It, it's got proteins, fats and carbohydrates. Yeah, and, so, yeah, yeah. and it's really good, um, really good nutrition for me and whatnot. So um, I've been, I've been using that for about the past, three or four years it's been great it's really revolutionized my training and stuff wow yeah 
uh, uh, teachings. Yeah, and no, I've seen it advertised. I've seen it um, quite a number of times. It's come up on my my Facebook feed and stuff like that. I've seen it. Um, I've never tried it. I know a couple of people that uh, that have. Um, they seem to get on quite well with it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I sort of change my I change my eating protocol really because of my mother who. Uh, unfortunately died died because of the complications of diabetes and she she right. wasn't she wasn't your typical diabetic i mean i i'm quite slim but i've have i have my sort of mother's uh, shape my mother was never over seven stone um right. and, and she didn't really eat a lot to be honest yeah um but what i what i found was that my i just felt that my i, I get a, a real big afternoon dip in in energy yeah um, and i think my blood sugars were going sort of up and down so i actually stopped and i reduced um my carbs and i started eating more fat and i find that now really really beneficial to me i, yeah. I don't i don't get that up the, the ups and downs dip my my blood sugar seems or feels a bit more uh, level um and yeah i i tend to eat uh, it's a very meat-based diet as it happens um and that's not to say I won't have, you know, the, the, the odd donuts or the odd cream cake or anything, <laughs> anything like that. Or if I'm, yeah. out, so if I'm out socially, I'll, I'll have whatever I like. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I go to someone's house, that's fine. No problem. Um, but I just find that seems to be a, a better thing that works for me. And um, I think what I've, what I've generally realized over the years is that one size doesn't fit all. And you, you've no. got to find out what works for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and it, it, it may be that it's more carb based. It maybe it's more protein, more fat based. Um, I would I would say my diet's probably more fat based rather than, but but it's a meat based product. Um, so yeah, you know, I find it um, as I said, I, I find it easy really, and it's easy for me. So you know, yeah, that's good. I mean, I was amazed when you said you know you hadn't eaten since uh, <laughs> yeah, a know, couple since of days. <laughs> yeah, a couple of days. I you know I, I can't even imagine that at all. <laughs> So what? what um, uh, I'm always interested in um, obviously people that do martial arts. I'm, I'm interested in what what else uh, what else they do, and I'll ask you that that question. I mean, I I, uh, I started playing guitar about the same time mm. that, that I started martial arts. I I still practice daily. <laughs> I'm still not that good, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Um, I, I end up practicing the same things and the things that I can play well. But if there's a challenge, I go. You know what? I'm just gonna quite happy playing this. So I've got a number of guitars, uh, about ten of them, <laughs> different guitars I've collected over the years. Uh, I love doing. I love playing harmonica as well. Uh, those, those All right, a bit of blues harmonica and a bit of uh, guitar, uh, which is which is quite nice. The, the harmonica is good because uh, I always have one in my car. So if I'm stuck in a traffic jam, I just get it out and start start playing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I did. I did have quite a crowd. Um, a couple of years ago, I was stuck on the M4 and there was a car on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just got out and sat on the grass bank and I had, had quite a crowd, actually. <laughs> All right. Quite, Did you quite, put a hat out? It was quite, no, I should have done. I should have, I should have put a hat <laughs> out. But uh, people were very appreciative and it passed the time. But my, my question really is, is, is that, you know, do you have any other passions apart from your martial arts? Um, I'm a really keen cyclist. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I normally do around about between 50 and 100 miles a week cycling. Oh, great. So I go out on Friday mornings and Sunday mornings. I'm part of a cycling club. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's always good. Cycling is so expensive, though. 
It is so, <laughs> always trying to upgrade your bike. I'm trying to build a new bike at the moment, and I'm you know I'm just trying to save up for all the parts. You know, because you have a new bike, you've got to have the uh, the best parts <laughs> for it. So uh, so yeah, that takes away all of my money and stuff. But I'm yeah. the other thing I'm really quite passionate about is I watch a lot of films. Mm. I'm a real big uh, movie buff, a film you know a film fanatic. Whenever the Oscars come out, I make sure I try and watch all of the films that are um nominated in the oscars so i love um i love like the foreign language films as well you know the ones with subtitles and all that yeah, sort of yeah. thing so you know i'm really into it's a real passion that my my mum like gave to me sort of thing she was a really really keen film uh yeah, film yeah. buff so i i'm really keen to we, i go to the cinema regularly you know at least you know once every two weeks right. uh, and my children um now they go even more regularly than me. I must have passed it on to them because they're always going. You know, Spider Man's out um, on Wednesday, and they're they're definitely they're booking times now to try and go and see that. So, so they're all big film buffs. But yeah, yeah, I love I love film and uh, film and, and TV as well. So I'm always I have a I set a TV up whenever ever I do the washing up, which is every day. Obviously, I'm always I'm always watching the latest film or or whatnot. So. Well, well, the, the cycling's the I I did get into cycling brief, briefly. Um, well, twenty. Did you do the Lands End to John O'Groats? Yes, time. yes, I did. Yes, I did. And and to be honest, I I I loved it. I did love that it. That was amazing. Time. I did love it at the time. It hurt. No, <laughs> the first few days hurt, and I thought, what am I doing? Because I, I was, it was actually my fiftieth birthday, and uh, around that time, I was thinking, yeah. This would be great to do it for my 50th, you know, and four of the other guys, the instructors said they'd do it with me. Uh, and then I, I remember it was actually, I'll tell you what it was. It was go, I was going through Carlisle and I had one of those days when I was just hitting the wall every time. Uh, yeah. I, got, I got my food wrong or whatever. And I remember I came to a, a, a stop at a traffic light, I think, and I, could, I didn't have the energy to unclip my feet and I just went over. <laughs> And I landed on the pavement. Slow the, motion. Yeah, I landed yeah. on the pavement, and then these kids were walking past. And you're right, mate. I said, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And then the, the guys come. I said, uh, Matt, are you, are you okay, sir? I went, Yeah, yeah. I just need to stay here for a bit. <laughs> the twelve hours. Yeah. I, I remember that we 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 went into Carlisle and actually uh, stayed at um, a, a dojang there. That um, a friend said, Yeah, you could stay at our place. Um, oh wow. And I was thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> but yeah, to be geez. honest, when when I got to um, to John O'Groats, man, I just like the elation was amazing. Um, yeah. It was really good. So <clears throat> I I did get into it, and I had a really nice um, uh, Trek Madone bike, and uh, right, yeah, uh, it was lovely. Uh, and I know what you mean because I I went in thinking, yeah, I could get a bike for you know a few hundred quid. And I went in there and he said, yeah, it's, you know, what do you want it for? And he said, oh, well, you, you need something decent, something like this. And it, it was like, we're, we're talking over a thousand. I was thinking, yeah, mm, right. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, I did, I did get it and I did get all the gear and I ended up, um, I did enjoy it. And I'm, I don't, well, you'll know him. I went out with um, Mr. Nick Evans. Uh, yeah, who, I know. He was, was a really good cyclist, really yeah. good cyclist. Uh, there were two things. I went out for my first fifty-mile ride with him one day, yeah, and, and he nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did a hundred miles. I did. There was a hundred-mile um, uh, cycle thing from Bath to London that I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Which actually was really good, and I re I did actually enjoy it. 
Um, and I thought to myself, right, I need to get better at this. So, so I remember buying a turbo trainer. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I used to come home from training at nine o'clock and get on this turbo trainer for 45 minutes. And tell you what, <laughs> I, was like, oh, I was like hanging. I was just, but, I, <laughs> but because I, I love the challenge, I did enjoy it. And the fact that I was doing it and I was getting yeah. stronger and I was getting becoming a better cyclist, I did yeah. really enjoy it. Um, I, I I sort of had to tell myself in the end that, I mean, I've still got a couple of, I've got an electric bike actually, which is quite a nice bike. I've got a folded yeah. bike. And I've got a mountain bike, which I still have. Yeah. I, got, I got rid of the road bike. Um, so I still love the cycling, but I don't, mm. I don't do um, as much as I used to. In the, in that yeah. Time. Yeah. More, but, more motorcycling. Yes, yeah, so I love my motorcycles. I really do. Um, and, um, you know, it's just, I just had to downsize with my toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do it like that. So, so that, that, that was good. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the bike, unfortunately, uh, had to go. But, uh, you know, it, it was great while it lasted. And I can, yeah. I can see, I can see why people love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still, still doing, I did, I've done 3,000 miles this year. So, uh, so yeah, and it keeps keeps the weight off. You know, it's great for burning calories and stuff, and great for, you know, it's it's great to chat to people. You know, not about taekwondo, to be honest. You know, it's great to have friends that are non taekwondo friends. Um, well, I I often say this to people as well is that I love, um, I mean, since the start of lockdown, we haven't had it, but I used to go to a, a guitar jam session yeah. every every week on a Sunday. Uh, at a pub and there was just a group of guys there was like five or six guys and you could come in you could bring your guitar in the harmonica yeah. and people just knew me as the black guy ray who plays harmonica yeah they, they didn't know that i did taekwondo or anything and i loved all right it. i loved it you know i could laugh and joke or whatever and, and it was brilliant i just yeah i mean a few of them did after a while don't get me wrong yeah but they 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 just knew me as uh oh, hi ray how's it going I used to see him in town yeah, you come yeah. in on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> we just have a good, good laugh, just playing music. Nothing complicated, just twelve bar blues. Uh, I used to do a bit of singing as well, which I loved. Right, and it was fantastic. And, Brilliant. Um, you know, I'm hoping that once uh, all this malarkey is uh, over and we get back to some kind of normal, yeah. uh, I can I can restart it again. You know? Yeah. So, so that, that that'd be nice. Yeah, because uh, yeah, one of the other things I, I was quite I'm quite keen on is um is travel. Oh, so because uh, in in 2001, me and my wife went to Everest Base Camp. Oh wow! So we climbed up. Uh, I don't know if you know the anatomy of uh, Everest. Yeah, in, little, in, in Nepal, it's got a it's got a valley to the left called the Gokio Valley. And then there's a valley that leads to Everest. So we've got Gokio Valley and Everest Valley. So we did a three-week trek uh, mm. from uh, a place called Namche Bazaar, oh, which wow. is, uh, funnily enough, we got there. It's, um, it's like 4,200 meters above sea level. And uh, when we got there, they had, a vi- they had an old telly with a, a video, a, you know, a VHS video player. Mm. And um, we watched Charlie's Angels for some reason <laughs> on this trek and anyway we set off from there and we went up this Gokio valley and there was about 15 of us we thought we were doing really well but there was i think we were we were mid 30s at the time about 35 uh liters and my wife she's uh she's four years younger than me so she was like 
it was one of her, you know, um, after 30, this is what I want to do sort of thing. So anyway, there was a lady on the the trip that was doing better than we was, and she was 62. And we were like, oh, God, (laughs) maybe we're not doing so well. (laughs) Anyway, we went up Gokio Valley, and um, the the highest point is this this mountain called Gokio Ri. And we all sat on this mountain. It was about minus 10, minus 15, something like that. And um, the, re- the reason we went up there is to acclimatize. Uh, and then we got this photo, and it's got Everest in the background. Mm. And it's just absolutely magnificent. Like this picture of me and uh, Lita, like with Everest in the background. It's just a perfectly clear day. Oh, no, it's just one of my favorite photos by far, just us two. And uh, anyway, you, we we got the photo and we all came down this Gokio Valley and then we started descending up, uh, sorry, ascending up the uh, Everest Valley and we met some of the Nepalese children that lived there full time. It was just the, just the most amazing trek that we did. And we got to um, we got to this place called Gorak Shep, <clears throat> which was 5,400 metres above sea level, which is just a tiny bit lower than Kilimanjaro. And then we, um, uh, and then the next day we we travelled to um, base camp. Now I don't know if you've ever seen any detailed pictures of base camp, but it's yeah, it's basically an ice quarry. <laughs> yes, there is nothing there of interest at all. It's just you can't see anything. You can't see the peak of Everest or anything like that. It's like an it's like a quarry uh, made of ice. I want to. And the photos we got there were just really disappointing. It was like sat on a bit of snow and then sat on a bit of ice. And, you know, no peaks in the background because you're too close uh, and whatnot. But um, but the whole thing was brilliant. And as we came down, um, it got warmer and warmer. So our layers kept coming off. And just the walk back down to this Namche Bazaar was just just what such a brilliant um, a brilliant time in our lives, and it was it was over uh, it was over New Year as well. So we spent Christmas and New Year in Nepal, and one, and then we and we went and we didn't realise it till a few years later. But we'd flown in to um, this place called Lukla, which is I don't know if you've ever seen those programs, but the world's most dangerous airports. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. always number one. world's most dangerous it's basically a a bit of the mountain that's been cut out and they land these tiny planes on the side of a mountain and when we were like oh look there's there there's this and we didn't realize it was the most dangerous airport in the world all right (laughs) that sounds fantastic it's um i don't know experiences like that are just uh it's amazing it's difficult to explain until you been and done yeah. it, isn't it? You know, you, yeah, yeah. you can't you can't get uh, an idea of it, even though somebody's saying yeah, yeah, but until you go to somewhere like that, yeah. you know, it's, it's like trying to explain, I don't know, the Grand Canyon or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a cycling buddy of mine was saying he goes, uh, "Oh yeah, I'm going out to Everest next year. We're going to climb. We're going up to base camp." And I'm going like, "Oh yeah, I've done that." And he's like, "What?" Really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sorry. Sorry to say I've done it, but I have. It was in 2001. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Maybe I'll have to put it on my oh, list. Yeah, we went, out to, um, we went out to the Sydney Olympics as well. Oh, right. Okay, brilliant. So um, <clears throat> always a bit like the Olympics is my favourite. Oh, 
Oh, like TV and sporting event era. And we thought, you know, we can afford it. Year 2000, we had no kids. We were both working in IT at the time. We were doing IT. So we were earning good money. And we thought um, we had some relatives um, living in Sydney. Yeah. And we thought, well, let's combine the two. Let's go and stay with them. And we can see how much of the Olympics we can get to see. So um, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember in the uh, any of the events in the Sydney Olympics, but it was the time of... Maurice Green in the 100 metres. Yes, yeah. And Marion Jones. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were there for both of those. We watched both oh, those wow. races live. It was just brilliant. Um, yeah. And then we watched, uh, do you remember Kathy Freeman? She put, yeah. That, yeah. She put yeah. that skin suit on and did yes, that. Yeah. And Catherine yeah. Merry from GB got a bronze in that, in that uh, event. We were there in the stadium for that. Wow. And that was the still to this day, it's the biggest ever Olympic crowd. It was like 120,000 people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we were part of that crowd. You know, it was just brilliant. <laughs> well, but, the best, but the best event of all, sorry to. Yeah, no, go, go, go for know, it. Go the for best it. event of all was the 10,000 meters. Okay. Uh, believe it or not. Anyway, the, um, it, the, the race started and it was highly Gabri Selassie. Oh, wow. And Paul Turgat. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, the race started and two groups developed, an African group and a European and America's group. So yeah, there was yeah. like, a, like a, a black group and a white group almost effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the, the black group going <laughs> way faster than the, yeah. the European group and whatnot. And it, and it just it, like it carried on that way. They were just so, so much better. And uh, anyway... 10,000 meters of racing, like 27 minutes, I think it was. And then Haile Gabri Selassie and Paul Turga are racing down the home straight. And it was just the most amazing thing. 120,000 people just roaring because hardly any of them were from Ethiopia or Kenya. So yeah. we were all just like racing just as neutral. Sorry, all just um, yeah. you know, hearing as neutrals. This amazing race, and it was just, it's just brilliant. And Gabri Selassie just took it on the line, just like inches. It was one of my favorite athletes of all time. I remember it because he's one of my, he's one of my favorites. Highly uh, Gabri Selassie. I just think yes. he was awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. What, what a mm-hmm. what a competitor. And, and, and sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. No, sorry. We thought that was like the highlight of the whole games. You know, it was just the euphoria in the stadium was just amazing. But yeah. then, like. Then they announced the women's race, the women's 10,000 meter race. And we thought, <laughs> well, there's no way that that's going to match up to, uh, to yeah. the men's race. And anyway, uh, there was, uh, I don't know if you remember that because they're not quite as famous, but there was an Irish lady called Sonia O'Sullivan. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, uh, I think she was Romanian, uh, uh, a Romanian uh, runner called Gabriella Zabo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was like tiny. She was like about six stones. She had yeah, blonde really hair. Small, she was, yeah. looked like a chicken. And well, yeah. Anyway, those two did exactly the same thing, yeah. racing down the home straight in the, <laughs> in, in, the, in the last few few seconds of the race. And, and Gabriela Zabo just, just pushed ahead right at the end and won, won the gold medal. And we were just like, oh, my God, if we're just in the first 10,000-meter race, that was brilliant. But then seeing the second one as well, it was just like one of the highlights, <laughs> highlights of my life. It was brilliant. It, it's incredible because um, I, I I said this to someone. I, I went to see, um, it, this was actually in London, so it wasn't, wasn't anywhere exotic as Sydney, but I went yeah. to see Linford Christie's last race in London. 
the oh, championships. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the Crystal Palace. Or yeah, no, no, it was at the sorry, it was at the um, Olympic Stadium in London. Oh, okay. It, it was there, and um, I, I managed to get—I don't know how I got it, but I managed to get tickets on the hundred meter straight. Yeah, and I was amazed how fast he, he ran. I was like, wow. Because because when you watch it on TV, you don't realise how quick they're going. And yeah, I, I the camera's myself, moving with them. Yeah. yeah, I consider myself quite a fast runner. But it, it was a fantastic. I mean, I, I love athletics. I, I've gone to a lot of the indoor athletics in Birmingham, for example. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I do like athletics. It's something that I liked at school. Um, mm. So I, you know, I did, did follow it. And um, but funny enough, myself and Master O, we went to um, we went to Beijing just before the Beijing Olympics. We, oh, okay. We, we weren't there for the Olympics. We were literally there a month before, so we saw, you know, the bird's nest and the stadium and, and yeah. stuff like that they built, which was quite impressive um, at that time. So yeah, it, it's um, uh, incredible. But even the long distance runners, um, you'd be people are surprised, uh, or that you, you can't get a, a sense of how quick they're going at the end of a race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Lapping, doing, you know, uh, fifty. 55 second laps when they're, yeah. you know, running 10,000 meters is crazy. Oh, it's, it's, you it's, know. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, um, I, I just got, I just got to bring you back for a moment because you, you mentioned um, uh, before we talk about athletics, about, about films. And I got yeah. into, uh, I'm not a big TV watcher, to be honest. I, I don't watch a great deal of TV, but I do like watching a really good series. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there's a couple of Swedish series, one called The Killing and one called the bridge the bridge yeah yeah, yeah. Now, now i've watched both of those i really right. really enjoyed them <laughs> it was so it's something that i watched um <clears throat> no probably about a couple of years ago um and uh i thought wow and then i got into watching um started trying to find different swedish films because i enjoyed them both and that was it oh okay yeah 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 yes. so it, it you know like i said i'm, I'm not I'm a bit hyperactive, so I find it difficult watching films. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> sitting, down, sitting down for two hours, I think, oh, I don't know, I want to go uh, do something. I need there. to be doing something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that was that. But anyway, listen, co coming to the end of, of this, what, what I want to ask you, and, and I, I think to a certain degree, to me as a martial arts instructor, the benefits of, of teaching and being involved in the martial art are, are obvious. Yeah. But I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on that you know either you know being involved as an instructor and seeing some of the the differences that you've made in people's lives. Yeah, I think it's it's a real understated um, like part of the teaching. I think you know if you're going to teach somebody how to kick and punch, I think it's our duty to teach them how to behave as well. Mm. Um, you know, not not in every aspect of their life, but, you know, uh, the discipline that must come with, uh, you know, teaching people how to defend themselves. I mean, we, we tried to um, give some leaflets out in a school recently, well, not recently, about, about three years ago. Um, and the, the head teacher said to us, no, we don't promote violence in this, um, in this school because, um, you know, you teach punching and kicking and, and things like this. And I said to, I said to, it was actually the head teacher. I said to her, I said, we're, we're effectively trying to uh, help good people defend themselves against, you know, the bad people in the world. And she, she let it digest for a little bit. And she thought, well, actually, you know, that's actually quite a, 
quite a noble thing to be doing rather than, mm-hmm. you know, just get people's different, get a different perspective on, on what you're teaching, you know? And I said, look, everything we teach comes with discipline. We say, look, it, you know, if they're, if they're misusing their arts, they're no longer welcome to, uh, to train in our, our classes and stuff. And we must've had about, about 2000 people through our, through our doors um, in the 17 years we've been teaching and you know loads of them still see me like in the street and they were going oh i loved uh, i loved it when i came to your your uh, your classes and stuff and and all the black belts are saying you know um it's taught me so much it's given me so much self confidence and um the you know not just the physical aspect of things but you know i it's like a like a male role model as well sort of like teaching me that I should listen to my parents because, you know, they've got lots of experience and stuff because people, do, kids don't naturally listen to their parents because they're always listening to them, I guess. But there's me, I'm trying to remind them that, you know, we need to listen to our parents. Just assume your parents are always correct. I keep telling the kids. Uh, I wanna. So it's great to see them, especially when they, if they carry on their training and they get to black belt and they, I see them turn into these wonderful role models of like people that just, you know, they're unrecognizable from when they started sort of thing, you know, three, three and four. And now they're these, you know, upstanding members of the community. They're really respectful and like everyone's, you know, saying this person is fantastic. And, whatnot. and I like to think that, you know, our Taekwondo training has gone a long way to, to uh you know helping them turn into this type of person and i'm sure you you've had it yourself you know you've you've seen kids and you know they're um they turn into these fantastic these fantastic adults that you know you're really proud of and their parents are really proud of and everyone that meets them you know really happy that um that they know them and they can count them as friends and stuff so um no that's great great. well well um I oh, I was just 2019, middle of 20, no, start of 2019. No, actually, it was 2018. Uh, I got asked to 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 um, speak to a head teacher of a primary school. Yeah. Um, and uh, she said, oh, we got a terrible bullying problem. Um, and one of the things we've noticed that we've got all female teachers, so we'd like a, a male role model to come into the school. So she said, you know, would you, it was like a, one of the mothers of the kids I teach, I told her about my my martial arts classes. So yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to see master girls. So she she contacted me and said, you know, would you come in and um, teach the kids? I said, yeah, it's fine because we've got this bullying problem and it's mainly among the boys and blah blah. blah. I started <clears throat> I started teaching, and within six to eight weeks, the bullying problem stopped. It stopped. Wow. Yeah. You know, wow. I, was say, I was saying to the boys, you know, we're doing martial arts, you know, and as you know, to the girls as well, you know, it's about respect, it's about respect each other. And, you know, they were bowing and shaking hands and, uh, you know, um, just treating each other with respect. And I, I, yeah. was trying to, I was trying to push that message. And within six to eight weeks, it gone. Um, I had to, I had, to, I couldn't keep on teaching there. It, it was sad because, you know, I, I remember an assembly, they did an assembly for me and I was in tears. Uh, I was absolutely in tears because. Brilliant. You know, I, I had to go. I couldn't continue doing it. Um, yeah. But but they said I've made such a difference. Um, and the sort of the as- assembly was dedicated to me. 
Um, Fantastic. And it was so nice. It was so nice. Um, I did get a number of kids from that school as well who are still with me, uh, which is nice. Brilliant. So, uh, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the messages that we um, that we try and push out to the uh, to our students, um, you know, you can use those in in other subjects, in other disciplines, and whatnot. I mean, one of my buzz my buzzword this year is um, uh, effort equals progress. Let us say, yes. look, effort is progress. You know, the more effort you put in, the more progress you make. And I say, no effort, no progress. Yeah. <clears throat> and I keep saying that and I keep trying to trying to get through to them. But the thing is, that kind of thing, it, it's not just Taekwondo. It will relate to anything. I said, look, you're doing your exams. The more effort you put in, the more progress you'll make. And whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my buzzword for or buzz statement this year. Effort well, equals uh, progress. I might, I might have to steal that, but uh, thank you. Uh, listen, thank you ever so much for agreeing uh, to do uh, the podcasts that you've done. Uh, I, I want to say, well, thank you in many ways, really. Thank you for attending uh, our events and being such a, a lovely, approachable person. Um, a number of my students always comment, oh, yeah, who's that? Who's that? So us. Uh, Mr. Gary Foster of TSA Taekwondo, you know, he brings, it's, oh, he's a lovely guy, you know. Uh, you always fit in very well. One of the things that I say uh, to my people <coughs> when they're refereeing umpiring is do it with a smile um, and, you know, treat people with respect. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, you, you always do that. You always do that. Um, you know, I've had reports, some lovely reports about you <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for doing that. Um, and, and, Thanks for, for being who you are, really, and, and having such a great Taekwondo school and spreading the, the message of martial arts and what it can do for people. Um, you know, hopefully we'll speak again. And, um, you know, thank you. Sorry, I'd just like to say at the end, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for you personally, Master Gao. You've, you've really helped me a lot in my Taekwondo journey, you know, since I've met you. Um, you know, I've done a couple of gradings with the Puma organization. It was really kind of you to, uh, to do that. I feel really privileged that, you know, not many people outside of Puma actually take gradings with you. So I, I feel really privileged that you've let me do that. And that's, uh, you know, I took my fourth down and my fifth down uh, with Puma and it's been brilliant. And, you know, um, when we first started coming along to Puma training, you've always been so welcome. And, you know, Master Black, especially, you know, yeah. you know how he is when you yeah. when you first when you first meet him, he's almost like. You're his best friend, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know that welcome. I'd never had anywhere else, so it was just—it's just been fantastic. Um, you know, being part of, uh, you know, even the small part of Puma that we that we have been, and you know, and if we could do sine wave, we would have joined years ago, I'm sure. <laughs> well, no, thanks, thanks, thanks very much. And anybody listening to this, um, hopefully, we'll get some information from uh, Mr. Gary Foster about his classes down there. We'll put them in the show notes. Uh, I would recommend you go along. Uh, you won't be disappointed. So thank you very much, uh, uh, Gary. And hopefully we'll catch up very, very soon. Take care. Thank you, sir.